Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Good evening. You're listening to Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoy another episode of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. One month has already come down to the wire and it's almost at the end. It's the six-man Dean Geronimo here in the studio and from NJ to NC. I am here with my right-hand man, Mark Lee. So, Mark, tell me what's good in your neck of the woods, my brother. Man, we just chilling, doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We had some snow here in uh, the area not that long ago. It's already gone. But they're wow. talking about, even though it was 50 earlier today or somewhere around there, they're talking about that we might get some rain tomorrow night, and then there might be a dusting of snow. Because, you know, the snows that we've had so far, I think we've had two, maybe three. They've been here. We've even seen some pretty snow on the ground. And then, you know, a day and a half, maybe even a day later, it's gone because the temperatures are spiking up. So the snow is the ground is cold enough for the snow to land, accumulate overnight, and then by about a day or a day and a half later, you look around. And it's like where'd the snow go? There ain't no more snow. It's gone and all of that. So that's one of the things that's going on. Y'all can't tell because I am not uh, fu- fully into the uh, picture and everything. But if I was to lean up, y'all would see that I've got on my. Marquette shirt and all of that because my boys are doing good. They were sitting there skid uh, in in the early parts of the season. I think that they lost like four games in a row, but now they're on a seven-game winning streak and nice. cracked into the top 25 and recently won another game as well. So we're trying to roll. Shaka Smart is doing some things, and every time that I'm looking, it looks like we might get a middle seed. But, you know, at one time they were like, will they even make the tournament? I think they were picked to be like eighth or ninth, and right now they're, I think, sitting around third and threatening okay. for a second and the first so we're actually making a little bit more noise than people might have been expecting and all of that so you know shock is doing his thing he got some people that had nice. played for other folks i think he's got a guy that might have been at one of the acc schools like wake forest and a couple of other places that he's been either associated with or knows people associated with them and he brought them with him and they are definitely balling and definitely playing some good sports in that way so you know that's one of the things that's going on in my world glad to see my alma mater graduated many many years ago but still i love to follow my boys and see how they're doing and it looks like we might try to make a little noise in the big east and also make some noise in the uh tournament if we can and everything and you know we got this thing called the super bowl getting ready to come on and i know that uh, city against cincinnati that ought to be a good matchup on the uh, weekend coming up and then we've got uh san francisco against um the rams and i expect both of those are going to be great games but we are going to have a new champion anyway because mm-hmm. uh ain't none of those four won the championship i mean they might have been there in the game but they did not win it so either way there will be a uh new sheriff in town we'll just put it that way there'll be a new sheriff yeah in for a year at least and then, you know other things that are going on i'm still talking to some friends of mine that are still very much not wanting to get vaccinated for whatever reasons that they don't want wow. to get vaccinated and things of that nature some of them are still feeling about how uh this could be a government uh conspiracy or some other things that they talk about including targeting (laughs) our population and things along those lines so it's always interesting hearing those conversations even if you're in those clubhouse streets as some friends of mine call them and all of that so that's something that's going on and then i just recently learned 
that one of our uh, Supreme Court judges is getting ready to step down. So um, Mr. Uh, Biden has said that he's going to appoint somebody, and he has said that he's going to appoint an African-American woman on to the Supreme Court, because we haven't had a sister on the Supreme Court as of yet and everything. Who knows? Maybe he's going to make his vice president the Supreme Court uh, justice and all of that eventually and all along those lines but it'll be interesting to see who he picks but i do know i think he made an announcement that he wants a african-american woman on the uh, supreme court and some people are upset about that because they're like you know there's some other qualified people i know some people that wanted an asian-american there are probably some people that wanted hispanic and a number of other things in terms of groups (laughs) and all of that but Biden has come out and said nope it's gonna be a sister it's gonna be a sister and all of that (laughs) Get with it. Get with the program. Accept it. It's going to be. It's going to happen. You're not going to like it, but you're going to be okay. You know, and for those who still have questions about whether to get vaccinated or not, um, the Omega Psi Five Fraternity Incorporated Second District, which comprises of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware, those five states, on the last Wednesday of every month, They have a COVID-19 task force monthly webinar series. Uh, Second District Representative Brother Kelvin Ampofo uh, and my brother, my other brothers, Dr. Keith Boykin, Dr. Jadan Phillips, Wanzi Gardner and Dr. Cedric Guyton provide their insight, their thoughts and ideas and also provide information on the ongoing pandemic and, you know, what we need to do to remain vigilant, stay safe, and and those types of things. And they also have uh, guests, you know, doctors that come in and offer their insight as well. So that's the fourth, well, the last Wednesday of every month. And you can find it on YouTube under the second district. uh, Omega Sci-Fi is right there. 815. Yeah. Cool. And we've been having some things like that. I know my good buddy Delon Canterbury has been doing some events like that here in the uh, Triangle area, particularly here in Durham, and definitely trying to dispel some of the myths that are out there and things along those lines. But, you know, this whole thing has become almost like a dividing factor because definitely, um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how people feel about older single people, I am still in that single space in the sense of not having a wife and all that might have significant others that have been in the life, but no wife or rings and things in that realm. And that being said, I do know that there are some folks that own both sides that will basically make that a um, deciding factor within their relationships. They'll be like, you know, either you vaccinated and I can get with you or you're not vaccinated. Wow. Uh, And there, no, I know some non-vaxxers that are definitely having conversations about not wanting to get with people that are vaccinated because part of the conversation is how they feel that vaccinated people are more vulnerable to some things that they say the government is doing to the population and things of that nature. They've got some very interesting (laughs) theories and all of that, but it'll be interesting to see what people's responses are. And, you know, if you go on the clubhouse, you'll hear some very interesting theories and there's a whole conversation about the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And I mean, everything from like, they say some things about, I think they call it shedding or things of that nature. And shedding is actually a real thing that even scientists talk about and all of that, but they take it to another extreme 
and things along those lines. And then, of course, there's the whole conversations around mandates to get vaccinated within job forces. And that's created a whole lot of divisionary conversations as well, because some corporations are basically like and, and colleges and even um, other kinds of education are like you got to have your vaccination or you're not coming in this joint and others are like getting some pushback on that from a civil rights and uh, civil obedience kind of standpoint as well. So that's uh, some of the conversations that I've been hearing in some of that social media space. So have you been hearing similar things in New Jersey? Mm, not really. Um, you know, we hear all kinds of stuff, man. And, and folks, don't trust the government and they just you know you come up it's like they take stuff and they run with it and one thing i did hear and it may be a little off subject but folks that got those uh child tax credit checks mm -hmm. boy they are getting beat up because they're taking it back out of the taxes so <laughs> it's almost like we're gonna front you this money right now and they didn't say anything else. We're going to give you these checks. Boom, boom, boom. People getting the checks. They're cashing the checks. Meanwhile, those of us who have adult children, it's like, we ain't get nothing. But now, when I see on the back end, it's like, oh, remember those checks we gave y'all? We need that money back. So I'm like, well, we dodged a bullet with that one. You know, <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get those checks because, now people are figuring, oh, I'm gonna get a refund. No, now you owe. Welcome to the rest of the world, you know. So it's you know, you hear all of these different things. People are mad because the president wants to put a black female, and justifiably so, on the greatest bench in all of this land, the Supreme Court. It's way overdue. And yeah, you can make an argument for I want an Asian and I want this, but we've never had a black female on the Supreme Court. So for that, yes, okay, Joe Biden, you get a thumbs up for that one. However, you get a thumbs down because over 80 lawmakers have called on you to release a memo outlining the authority to cancel student debt. All right, so it says over 80 House and Senate members wrote a letter to President Joe Biden on Wednesday urging his administration to publicly release the memo outlining his legal authority to cancel student debt. The president requested the document to prepare that report last year. So those lawmakers include Chuck Schumer, Elizabeth Warren. You know, they called on the president to immediately forgive $50,000 per borrower. The price tag on such a move will be about a trillion dollars and 80% of student loan borrowers or 36 million people we have their debt cleared entirely. So, you know, um, the outstanding, it says the outstanding student loan debt in the United States has exceeded $1.7 trillion and poses a larger burden on households than cre a credit card or auto debt. And roughly 10 million borrowers are likely in delinquency or default. So, you know, wow. since the pandemic, the Education Department, United States Department of Education has paused student loan payments. They extended it five times it's set to end i think may 1st so lawmakers said americans should not be forced to resume the payments so it looks like the lawmakers are trying to tell him you know you can do this and he's like i don't know i need to find out who can do this and i'm like dude if you don't put on an executive order and let that thing go you know what i mean 
you asked the Department of Education and the Department of Justice to prepare memos on his legal authority to cancel student debt. And Schumer and Warren have insisted the president has the power to do so. The White House is likely weighing the legal risk to such a move. What legal risk are you talking about? Yeah, I'm trying to figure you know, that out. You, you want to talk you, about some legal risk. You know, Schumer's been in the news for something else that was on <laughs> yesterday and everything. Because apparently he, along with some other Democrats and some other folks, I think they might have some Republicans on board as well, are mm-hmm. in the idea of proposing a new stimulus check. But this one is going to actually go to essential workers. So it's basically like essential workers will be getting hazard pay and all of that because you know some of the folks that are working are working from home i know that very shortly i'll be starting back in another week or two and Mm -hmm. measurement i'll be doing the work from right here in the home front and all of that but you know some other people are doing you know whether it's doordash whether it's um things like um uber or whether it's even the people that are doing the teaching and the hospitals and other things that have definitely become essential jobs and all of that they are saying that they want to have them get some extra cash. And so Senate Democrats are proposing a boost in pay for those employees with something that they're calling a hero's fund. And yes, our good friend, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is behind that, along with uh, Bob Cassie over there in Pennsylvania. And they're hoping that those Americans working from home, that's not an option. Social distancing is not an option. And, you know, our good buddy Mitt Romney has come up with an alternative idea calling it his own payroll tax credit program dubbed the Patriot Pay Plan. So both of them are agreeing that these folks need to be getting some money and all of that. So uh, among the uh, professions that they're saying should be eligible include healthcare professionals, first responders, personal care, home health workers, truck drivers, and yes, those fine folks in the grocery stores as well. So the grocery store workers might be getting some extra money if this goes on and all of that. It looks like there might be some efforts to get some of the essential workers some extra money and all of that. I guess it'll be in the form of a tax credit, whether it comes in the Heroes Fund or the Patriots, because it does look like both folks are realizing that these essential employees need to get some additional money so that they can actually survive. Man, listen, if you have to leave out of your house to go to work, you should be deemed essential. If you cannot work from home, and during this pandemic, you need to be given hazard pay. Now, the pandemic started in March of 2020, so we're about to go two years in. Right. If you prorate it, and this is just my thought. Prorate it. And if folks owe taxes for back years, you know what? Just go ahead, man. Clear that out. Let's make a deal. You know what I mean? Let's make a deal. Clear that out and, and let me start with this year and move forward. And we can rock because we, the work still has to get done. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, some people will argue and say, you know, it's not fair. Other people get to work from home. Well, in the line of work in which you chose, you can't do that. And you said, like, delivery drivers and stuff, like, they can't work from home. No, they cannot. Because they actually have to come out and deliver packages, meals, whatever it is they've been tasked to deliver. You know, uh, healthcare workers for sure. Law enforcement officers, corrections, whatever, firefighters, uh, who else? Anybody, anybody, anybody. And I'm not even going to try to teachers. You know, 
anybody who has to leave their house to perform their job because it cannot be done from home needs to be given a hazard pay. And it's only it's only right. You know, I saw one article where they're saying that um, and I can't remember where these uh, immigrants are from, but they're being brought over across the border in the dark of night under the cover of night. And then, you know, hurry up, stick them here, put them here, transport them this place and that place. And you're still, but then when the d daylight comes out, it's like, nah, you know, we can't allow these folks to come in. Okay, pick which one. You got folks flying over from Afghanistan. You got folks coming in from Mexico. You got folks coming in from uh, uh, other countries. And you're still bringing them in. So now when you bring them in, do they get that deal that they used to get a long time ago where you, they get, uh, you know, start a business and they're tax-free for ten, seven to ten years? I mean, tell me something. I, I mean, for all of that, I need to go change my birth certificate and say I was born in another land. Just can't. Unfortunately, I can't pick Haiti because they they're like, nah, you got to go back. They you know what I mean? Haiti. They might send you back to Senegal or they might send you back to Ethiopia, depending on which is a part of those uh, countries you're coming from and how you're right. coming from. So if you claim those, they might not give you the same kind of things yeah. that you're doing you in go that to regards. You know, there's a gentleman in Oklahoma. He's actually got an interesting idea. I'd love to hear your thoughts as a corrections person. But he's a governor candidate in that fine state and everything. And he's actually said that executions are an ineffective solution because apparently they just executed a uh, third inmate recently and everything along those lines. So uh, Father Brian Brooks, who apparently is, you know, definitely involved in the religious um organizations or one of the religious organizations was saying that this is ineffective as a means for a solution to a murder. I would take away the death chamber. I would just decommission it for my four years. So he's a Democratic gubernatorial candidate in that area, and he hopes decommissioning the death chamber to end executions during her term. And actually, that's a young lady. I said that wrong the first time. But if she's elected governor, she's going to actually uh, look at uh, getting rid of the whole idea of the death penalty. And apparently this is where it gets interesting. I'd love to know your thoughts. I don't know what New Jersey's rule is, but Pew research polls show that 60% of American adults support the death penalty for a murder conviction, but only about 30% of those supporters believe innocent people are kept safe from being executed. So they acknowledge part of the problem is that some people that might not have done the crime are actually getting executed. But at the same time, they're saying that they support the idea of the death penalty for the murder conviction. So it seems to me that you need to have um, absolutely irrefutable proof that this person absolutely did it before you go down that rabbit hole. And that's just my opinion and everything. I don't even know if Dean agrees with me, but I need absolute irrefutable proof because I've seen too many incidences or read about too many incidences where the person is found out after the fact that they didn't do the crime and you know they've been killed there ain't much you can do about it after the fact they're gone and all of that so right definitely i think that i want absolute irrefutable proof and i know that there's some evil people out there that probably done some very evil things and in those cases you might have to uh take them out and all of that i actually have some other um issues with the death penalty that might be around moral and ethics and all of that but i can see where people might be at least have a solid argument if you have absolute irrefutable proof and if they've done some very heinous things in society, I might still have some other arguments against that. But even that being said, I want absolute 
irrefutable proof before we even go down that rabbit hole. But that's just my thoughts about it and everything. So what are your thoughts about the death penalty? I have to, I would say maybe I'm half and half. And and only reason I'm half and half, well, then again, I'm not half and half. December of 2017 is when New Jersey abolished the death penalty. So those individuals who were, we call it the wall, but it's New Jersey State Prison, those inmates who were there that were on death row had their sentence commuted to life in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Cullen, who they call the angel of death, and you and people may have seen it on like Discovery or ID, he was a nurse, and they think he had murdered upwards of 400 people maybe who were supposed to be under the care of a doctor in the hospital. They can't confirm that many, but they have a suspicion that he has. He was sentenced to over 400 years. It's like 11 consecutive life sentences. You know, and um, he was on that death row. But now it's been commuted to life in prison. So, you know, some people will say, you know, um, it was a 2004 court ruling that declared invalid the lethal injection procedures, which led to the abolishment of the the death penalty. But the work of the Innocence Project, which I'm very supportive of, there are a number of instances where individuals have spent two decades, three decades, four decades in prison, and they've maintained their innocence the entire time. But people have a concept and a thought process that you know, if you've been convicted, you must be guilty. Yeah. And we found with all of those, and you see when I posted, I always said, welcome home, welcome home. Um, even though I don't know them personally, to see them get the justice that they should have gotten when they went to trial. And some people, unfortunately, have been executed that when they go back and they find out, oh, you know what? He didn't do it. There's an article in the New York Post, and I'm trying to pull it up. One man spent 20 years in prison. He got released. Guess who confessed to the the crime? His twin brother. Wow. You know what I mean? So now, you know, he he was free from the Cook County Jail in Chicago. Um, A man who spent nearly 20 years in prison for murder has been released after his identical twin brother confessed to the crime. Kevin Duga was free from the Cook County Jail in Chicago on Tuesday night after a motion for bond was granted. He's overjoyed to be free, but is also adjusting to a world that is quite different from the world he left 20 years ago. When he was arrested for this crime, he did not commit. You know, he has spent the last two decades in prison after being convicted of the 2003 fatal shooting of a rival gang member. But the case was called into question when his twin brother, Carl Smith, came forward in 2016 to issue the stunning confession that he was responsible for the deadly shooting. Two hey, years dude, later. I just got one question for you. You know, uh-huh. we just finished uh, getting out of holidays and everything. We just got finished out of Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving. And, of course, there's some other holidays that are going to come up in the not-too-distant future and everything. I'm just trying to figure out uh, how do you even manage to uh, keep a straight face and come to those family gatherings when you know that you did the crime 
and the, the person that is actually serving the time <laughs> Your is brother. in the prison and all of that. So I'm just trying to figure out how he even managed to, uh, before he even confessed to the crime, how he even managed to come around. Um, I'm assuming that their, I don't know, but if their parents were still living or even if they had uh, grandparents or cousins, whoever they were coming to the uh, holiday family dinners with, how do you even... Uh, put your face forward enough that you can even get away with that for what sounds yeah. like decades. So I oh. don't even know what oh, kind of mindset that would be that you could pull that off and everything. But you wouldn't be able to, and he didn't have to, because at the time that he admitted to doing the shooting where his brother was serving the time for, Carl Smith was already serving a 99-year sentence for a home invasion that left the child shot in the head. And, and, and so while he's already serving a 99-year sentence, He's like, oh, by the way, I killed this guy right here, and my brother is serving time for that. Well, how was your brother serving time for it? Um, I'm just telling y'all now. So, I mean, after two decades, his conscience finally caught up with him, but how bad is that for his brother? You know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you, right, how do you do that? Now, there are some people who, uh, what's the lady's name that killed a child and was out there celebrating at the gravesite every year with the streamers and all the poppers and all of that stuff. And I'm like, so you did all of this and you were the one that actually took your child's life. How do you, is it mental illness? Are you just playing out stupid? Are you crazy? Are you mentally ill? Uh, did you put it in your mind that it was somebody else? How? You, that's a good question. How? How do you deal with yourself when you look in the mirror every single day, knowing that, you know, you did something and somebody else either suffered greatly from it or is suffering and they had nothing to do with it? So when you talk about like now, until they get all that stuff clear, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. Don't even execute anybody. Don't waste any money. Because uh, there are a couple of people who've been on the uh, gurney and been administered those medications and they didn't die. Yeah. And, you know, they said there's a couple of people that have been in an electric chair and they didn't die. Mm. And I'm like, damn, you, you're a bad man. They shoot all their votes through you and you're like, all right, man, I'm ready to go back to my cell, man. We had fun. It's been real, but I'm sleepy. You know, it's not to make a joke out of it, but you spend all of that money to, you know, hey, all right, well, some people will say an eye for an eye. However, there's some people who didn't take the eye. Yeah. So how mm -hmm. can you how can you say, you know, a jury is 100% correct? I don't know how you can say that at all, but you know, another group of society that has been in the news, and sometimes people say that they have borrowed from our playbook, meaning African Americans and other minorities' playbooks, is actually back on the playbook page again, once again. And that is our brothers and sisters in the LGBT community, because apparently Social Security is opening to survivors of same sex couples who cannot marry. So they're actually wow. up to doing that. So there's been challenging the policies that limited the survivors' benefits to married couples, and that took years, and a class action lawsuit was recently filed. And in November, 
um, there was some things going on within that case and everything. So the Social Security Administration now allows gay men and lesbians to receive survivor's benefits if they can show that they were in a committed relationship and would have married had that been possible. The change could mean greater economic protection for a population. I did not know this, that apparently they have higher poverty rates than American adults overall. So over 6 wow. million of the nation, 65 million Social Security beneficiaries receive survivor's benefits, including children. So they are definitely trying to make it so that if these folks have young people and other folks, or they're just the survivors within that group, that they will be able to get the benefits as oh. well. And that could definitely help with that population's uh, financial situation yeah. and all of that. Because they said that a second group has also become eligible for survivor's benefits, which is same-sex couples who are married for less than nine months, the legal threshold for survivor's benefits before one spouse died. So nine months? They've been involved in a committed relationship and they can prove that they've been involved in this long-term relationship and one passes over before the other the Social Security Administration is saying, hey, we might need to give y'all some money as well because y'all are basically a couple, maybe not the traditional couple uh, that a lot of people may think of when they think of couples, right. but you are still a couple one way or the other, and therefore we need to make some sort of uh, kind of compensations for you and all of that. So definitely that is uh, another case that is out there in the public. I would, you know, I don't have a problem with them getting benefits. I think Overall, I would increase that threshold to one year because once you get married, in order for you to get a divorce in most states, you must have lived separately and apart for at least one year. Um, I would add that, and I would also add that in order to receive survivor benefits, the living spouse mm -hmm. should have worked at least the 40 quarters to qualify for their own benefits. I yeah. think one of the flaws of the, of the social security system, and this is before us, but that generation before us, a lot of women were still alive because they never worked. And this is the argument where, you know, you see it on social media, like, well, if the woman stays home and takes care of the household, what do you mean take care of the house? They don't have any damn kids. What are they doing? Tending to the walls? I'm not going to get into that argument. But if, if he works and he works himself to death and he dies and she's able-bodied and she has not fulfilled the 10-year requirement to receive her own benefits, and my, I'm like, I'm sorry. You had to go to work. Speaking of that argument and everything, I hear what you're saying. And speaking of that argument, I was actually, um, well, the audience can't see because we're in audio today and everything. But uh, that being said, I went to the barber not that long ago and everything. I talked to my barber and he actually brought up a very interesting point, which I had not thought about. But he was saying that um, right after slavery, because, you know, we were still in family structures even though they were forced family structures, they were still family structures, meaning there was man, woman, and children, and sometimes they were in a unit together. Now, sometimes right. they would break up those units because we were property and all of that, but it's just like you would do with uh, 
definitely livestock and things of that nature. You still have like mm -hmm. some sort of a family unit for lack of a better term and everything. But when we came out of slavery, we were about 75%, I believe is the figure that Mr. Boyd gave me of what would be considered nuclear families. Now, because of more women working, more women being definitely more independent. And I definitely support that and everything and going right. into the job force and all of that and waiting to have kids later and some of the things that go on, including some things that you've talked about, which is how, um, some people will dodge the um, whole welfare system by they might not the person that gave them the kids ha still be involved in a relationship. But once the person is in their life and they know that the people are going to knock on the door, that person might go and disappear up north for a minute before coming back home. So we went from 75 percent to now 70 percent of the population are in families that are um, basically out of wedlock or that are coming from broken families and all of that. When he told me that, wow. I was going like, I knew that it was very significant amount, but I did not know that it was that high within our community. And those figures kind of startled me. Are you startled by those figures? Mm -hmm. And I think he got them from a fairly reputable source. I forgot which one he told me about, but it was definitely a reputable source. I'm not because the, the times have changed. Like when I grew up, when I was fortunate, my parents were in my house. I was in the house with my parents, mm -hmm. um, you know, until I graduated from college and moved away. And my parents were together for 40 years before my mother passed. Um, now it's a lot different. You know, people will get into a relationship. They'll have children, but then they won't commit to each other. Something happens. They break up. So now both have moved on and they get into other relationships. And those relationships may or may not work. So, you know, when you, and, and I see it now because, you know, somebody will ask, well, how long have you been with your wife? And I said, well, this year is the 21st year that she's put up with me. <laughs> and they said, wow, 21 years, that's a long time. How long y'all been married? I said, 19 of those 21 years we've been married. And we're still counting. You know, and people look and say, man, 19 years, 21 years, that's a long time to be with one person. And I think the mindset has changed. Like, I guess people either get bored with each other. You know, we used to say you grow apart. But now no one is hardly growing together. So well, it's almost like. Not, going up, not only are they not growing together, but there is a. Um, and, I mean, different people may have different ideas about it and different thoughts about it, but there seems to be, I would argue that 2022 in this era that we're in is, um, while um, there was definitely the AIDS crisis and that kind of like uh, got people to think about morales and things of that nature. And of course, as we mentioned before, there's the vaccine and some people are definitely more cooped up and staying with the people that there are um, in the home with because of mm -hmm. the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic and everything. But I read, and I think I've heard this from a couple of sources, that there is a um, growing amount of people that are willing to be in what would be considered non-traditional families. Now, whether that's poly families okay. or whether that's families of like those open relationships that you sometimes hear people talking about you know, on social media and things of that nature, it seems that, and I'm not sure the reason, I don't know why it would be, but it does seem like it has become a more... Um, acceptable before it was I don't know how acceptable it was but it definitely in my mind seems to be that people it doesn't raise as many eyebrows as it may have had in the past and everything but that's just what I've observed around 
some of the people that I've seen here in what I will admit is a very liberal town and everything meaning in Durham, North Carolina. But even talking to friends of mine outside of the area, some of the things that used to be not the norm, such as um, people dating across races, across ethnicities, across mm-hmm. religions, and I would even argue um, having these kind of like unique relationships is not um, seen as considered as strange as before. I would even argue some of the age differences that I have seen before aren't raising as many eyebrows as they used right. to before right. where people are like having a 10, 15, maybe even a 20 year gap and everything. But that's just my observations. Is that something that you have noticed as well in your travelings around New Jersey and New York? Or is that just kind of Mark's, Mark's warped view of the world? No, it's, it's everywhere, brother. The mindsets are totally different now. Like, you know, I couldn't see here going on my 49 years on this earth dating someone who is 29. Right. I just can't see it. I don't care how good she may look. I don't care how deep our conversation goes. Something to say in my mind. This one is old enough to be I'm old enough to be her father. You know, so part of me will say, yeah, that's off limits. Where other people say, you know what? She's grown. She's almost 30. I can do this. And people are just accepting of it. You see a man with a younger woman or vice versa, and no one blinks an eye because the mindset is different. We also grew up during a time where, you know, if you saw a same-sex couple, that was like, man, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. How is a woman with a woman or a man with a man? That, oh, okay. They're gay. And we put that late, and we kept moving. You know, we, we didn't... Um, we didn't make it a big deal. We knew people who were effeminate, males who were effeminate, and you know, females who were a little more sturdier and tougher than the rest of the females. And we knew it, and it was that's what it was. That's who they are. They're good people, so I don't care. And then one day, everything changed. Remember when if they said the word damn on TV, they call it FCC fine and a violation. Now, they say all the words on TV. With the exception of the F-bomb, they, but you know what it is because you can see the lips moving, but they won't, you know, and that's regular television. Right. We They've always done it on cable. Remember, you had to pay to get the curse words back in the days, but now you don't have to pay to get that. It's right there on television. It's right there doing prime time. And it's become accepted. So a lot of things have become accepted where um, it's not odd for a polyamory. It's been accepted. Where during the time, you know, we're looking at that like, man, you're either brave or stupid. Mm-hmm. To have three, three, four, oh my goodness, that's too many. One is enough, but some people can't have just one like Lay's potato chips, you know, like you can't just eat one. So they have to have multiples and (laughs) it's a different, it's just a different mindset all the way across the board. Um, Even with stuff, you know, folks are arguing about something like critical race theory. And I'm like, what happened to the elders teaching the young ones, family history, black history, you know, we grew up like that. And we used to think we would be a hell hostage, man. Like, oh, my God, we got to listen to this again. 
But as we got older, we understood the value in what they were teaching us, and we had a better understanding of who we are. We had teachers who taught it to us. No, it wasn't in a textbook. No, you couldn't find it anywhere in anybody's history textbook. But they taught it to us because that's something that reinforced what our parents and our elders were teaching us. They don't do that anymore. So now families are not doing it at home. They want it done in the school. But how can you really trust someone who is not of your background to teach your background in an effective manner? So that's an argument that could be placed in, and it could go back and forth. But how much of it are they going to sugarcoat or alter you know and, and yeah, just alter like that history and alter those things that are man. historical and everything i was actually just we were having a show earlier in one of the uh international broadcast media shows and i was actually a professor that was bringing up a fact which i've heard some other professors say as well which is actually race is a relatively new construct and everything because we weren't even really dealing with that until around the 16th century and all of that so it's a relatively new construct just in terms of the whole notion of it and i've heard that from a couple of right. uh, professor types that are of all ethnic backgrounds including a good friend of mine that is of a european background but they, she talks about it and then this gentleman uh mr leon was talking about it and a number of other folks that i've talked about as, or talked to as well you were talking about those uh, cookie size servings and it's just a light note and everything i was watching a comedian and she was talking about, which I did not think of, there are serving sizes on cookies. And she found that kind of ludicrous because she was going like, how you oh, find yeah. the serving size? Yeah. She was like, there's like, if you look on the back of the cookies, it might be cookie serving of two or cookie serving yep. of one. And she was like, yep. you know, good or well, you're not going to eat two of one. She did say the Girl Scouts had it right because if you look on theirs, and maybe it's the Thin Mints or one of the thinner ones, they say that it's like seven. So she was like, they, the Girl Scouts got it right because they know you either go eat seven, you're going to eat 14, which is about half the box, or you're going to eat the whole box. So at least the Girl Scouts seem to have got Man, it right. Because some of these other servants are like ridiculous. And that's even not just in the uh, service that you see of cookies, but I've also seen it on hot dogs and other food products because you're going like, oh, they expect me to only eat one egg? That's not happening. I'm having at least two or three while I'm boiling these eggs and everything. But they try to give you these ridiculous serving sizes that nobody is really going to go with not not at all not at all <laughs> I, I got some girl scout cookies last week and it was like hey you want some girl scout cookies i was like you know what yeah which ones you want one of them is uh you know what now my i changed my mind give me the samoas the person i was talking to was like samoas what are those i said okay that's the older name for it they probably call them caramel delight oh yeah i got those cool I need two boxes. Gave them, you know, pay for them. Man, before I left work, one box was already gone. You know, you know, you know I, I, the whole box. Like, I'm not just eating three cookies. Like, nah. No, that's not I'm happening. Not, not three cookies. So that's not I'm happening. not on a diet and, a, and you know, like, man, no, no. Yeah, I'm just going to eat. I paid for the whole box. I'm going to eat them right now. I do that with Oreo, like double stuff. And they had a family size thing of double stuff. Man, it's three rolls. I haven't counted the number of cookies because I do the same thing every time. I open it, I eat one complete row, and then put the other two rows up. The next day, I eat the next row. And by the third day, I eat that last row. Dude, I, I'm not eating three cookies. Like, 
it's no not way happening. you're going to limit me to three cookies. We know that is not happening. Speaking of things that are not happening, how are you going to go after you've already been kind of the laughing stock of your party, get COVID, and then come back to the restaurant two days later and everything? You talking about Sarah Palin? Please tell me about Sarah Palin and why the heck she did that. <laughs> you know what? And, and to be honest, man, I mean, like, you're trying to get somebody infected because now you have COVID. Right. And you just, but then again, she's the same person that says she could see Russia from her backyard. So, you know, there's not a lot of thought put into things that are being done. Sarah Pellin, I will say this. I pray to God that you did not get anybody infected because that was the dumbest thing. The dumbest thing. And you know what? I blame. Now, here's the million dollar question. The place where she ate, did they know? That she had been diagnosed with the COVID-19? Probably so, because everything is news when it comes to them. So I also blame the restaurant because now you put your other patrons at risk, even though she said she was eating with outside or something like that, right? But just because you're outside doesn't mean nobody can get it. If that was the case, we would still be going on as normal, and the world wouldn't have shut down and trying to build its way back up to open. No, and I agree with you. And but you know, I'm not gonna let just the uh, folks from the opposite side off the hook as well, because I've also got to call out. And you know, because I mentioned her before, I am a fan of hers and everything. But and I know you young and you want to go get your party on. But how you gonna go to Miami? Go to, go to a party without a mask and then expect that you're not gonna get some kind of COVID yourself and everything. And yes, I'm talking about AOC. And yes, I do love AOC's policies and everything else. But you went to Miami. It's a party you town. Went, you, you went to a super spreader event with no protection. Okay. Don't be mad because you got that COVID. You know what I mean? And I, People are very uh, peculiar. I know it was one article I saw earlier today, too, that this one lady in a coma for 65 days or so, and she was an anti-vaxxer. Now that she's come out of the coma, she is pro-vaccination. You know, some things have changed your life and your mindset. So she probably was like, listen, like you said, you know, I'm going to party. I'm going to have fun. Man, I don't need a mask. I, I can't breathe with it. You know, people make a thousand excuses. I can't breathe with it on, and it's uncomfortable on my nose. And so now she went down there masked less, but you picked up the COVID. So, dang, like, come on, y'all. You got to be smarter than that. You have to, you be, have to smarter be smarter than that. that and everything. But that's some of the things that I saw in the news. I know I got to get ready to deal with some of our other items and everything. I don't know if there's anything you want to touch on, but I do know that I did see that we might be heading to World War II or World War Three. I guess it would be World War Three because we can't decide what the heck we want to do in the Ukraine. So like I said, we're to apparently moving troops over there, even though, you know, Putin and his boys apparently <laughs> need to just be left alone. Let them deal with their people. Please leave them alone. Like, police. come on, man. We like jumping into other people's business, man. Can you stop and mind your own, like, like we say at work, can you stay in your own lane, please? Yes. You know, you, you cannot color outside the line. You cannot drive on the opposite side of the street. Stay in your lane, please. Please. United States government, if y'all are listening, anybody that's in or near or around D.C. that can get a word to the White House like, hey, y'all, let's mind our own business for a change. Let's do something totally different and mind our own business. And let's see how that works out. 
Exactly. We got to do that on a regular basis. Like I said, I'm going to turn it over to you because I got to get ready to bounce on to this other thing. But maybe you're going to play around with the music and everything. But I think we had an engaging <laughs> conversation. So I'm going to bounce on. To this yeah, other we thing. did, but man. We did. And we're going to be back in February to do it again. We're going to do it again. For sure, we'll be back to do it again, and we'll have some other great conversation, and we'll try to get some guests on as well. But I'm going to let you do the outro, and then I'm going to bounce on out of here. But, yeah, it was a great conversation, and we're going to see how we can rock and roll here on Anchor. Oh, yeah, no doubt. See you later, bro. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. We appreciate you. We thank you. And again, we are on the Anchor platform. Stay tuned for the outro. You know, we kind of upgraded some things that we now have it saying it for us. You know, so what I'm going to do is tell y'all, stay safe. Put those masks on, man. Wash the hands and all of that stuff. And uh, have a good weekend if you're in the area on the East Coast like we are. Get ready to get a little exercise when that snow hits. Put your thermals on. Get your coffee. And have a great weekend. And we'll see you on the next show. It's Straight Talk with Dean and Mark, now on the Anchor platform. Be sure to catch the replays on the Skyhawk Radio Network. If you miss those, we have replays on Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podfollow, Deezer, GeoSaven, and right here on Anchor. We are also part of the Level Podcast Network, where you can catch other exciting shows such as The Black Girl's Guide to Surviving Menopause, The Chef Gang Radio Show, Funk from the Front Seat, Funk Music with Zach, Learning Unwrapped, Let's K-12 Better, Marketing with Russ aka Hashtag Russ Selfie, Mona Shake and the Minority Report, Mullings, Music and Memories with Mark Lee, The Online Dinner Party with Mark Lee, The Plant a Good Seed Podcast, The Reinvention Road Trip, She's on Call, The Just Podcast, The Mark Lee Show, The Spin It Social Hour, Virginia Interfaith Live, On the Couch with Dr. Diamond, Candid Conversations with Dr. Diamond, and of course, Straight Talk with Dean and Mark. Like Dean Geronimo always says, when you walk outside your front door, it's showtime and the world is your stage. Just make sure that people are not watching the rehearsal. On behalf of the sixth man Dean Geronimo and Mark Lee, have an outstanding week and be sure to catch us on the next show.